Hey friends, welcome to Enough for Today for Tuesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, September the 8th, and I'm so glad you've joined me. We're in Psalm 60, and we're picking it up in verse 4 today. Um, hey, before we jump in, today's the first day of school at Emmanuel Christian Academy. We started 10 days late because we had major construction work to do the last three weeks. We had a fire uh, three and a half weeks ago. It, it wasn't good. It did... It did um, relatively minor burning, but pretty significant damage in terms of smoke uh, throughout the building. So we had a Herculean effort by some of the most godly and wonderful people, contractors and friends. They came together and they uh, did the impossible. They literally did about a million dollars worth of construction in a few weeks. And it was it has been a mind-blowing experience. All of our team, our church family, friends, so many people pitched in, came together to start school. And today, about 365 or 70 students will have their first day of school at Emmanuel. Lots of families will be blessed by this work and prayer. And if you've been praying, uh, your prayers are being answered today. So pray for us today and uh, ask the Lord to bless our school year. Yesterday, we, we, we've laid out the history of this psalm that it's early in David's uh, king kingship, and he's a conquering king. Uh, but this nation has come through a, a long period of defeat. And uh, Saul was a terrible king that led them away from God in pride and rebellion. And they felt cast off. They felt scattered. They felt that God was displeased with them. So David writes this psalm to rally the nation. And it's a national prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a group prayer. God smile on us again, deliver us again, be glorified through us again. As I've been reading the psalm, I can't help but think about the journey that our church family has taken the last 10 years and those that have been here much longer than 10 years. They came through very dark years, decades of dark times and hardship and disappointment and frankly, oppression, legalism. Um, But so many of them held on to Jesus and to each other through all of that and they believed, they never stopped hoping and believing that God would be glorified again at Emmanuel. And um, I don't deserve to do what I do, but after my cancer battle, I was weak and the church was weak and the church family was discouraged, but God put us together by his providence. And we believed that God could be glorified if we would preach the gospel. And as purely of heart as we knew, we got on our knees, and we, we prayed prayers very similar to this, and we God on mission, we decided we were going to uh, claim the ground that God wanted us to claim in New England for the gospel. We wanted to preach the gospel to lost hearts. We wanted to win and baptize and disciple new believers. And we weren't going to be held by the fear of man, by the opinions of men. We weren't going to be held by tribes or tribalism or sectarianism or, or, uh, or, or movements or denominationalism. We were going to be the church of Jesus in this region, on mission with Jesus, letting him lead the church, letting him uh, map out the battle plan, letting him win the victories. And he's done that for 10 years. And we have seen him glorified. I think some people looking from the outside in must think, well, Pastor Kerry must have had a strategy or he must have gone with. Now, I had plenty of ministry experience, but I had no strategy for revitalization. I had a big God, a powerful gospel. And that's it. And we had prayer. We had a core group of faithful people who got on our knees together and we prayed. And we prayed a prayer like this, that God would heal. 
uh, we said, God, you've taken us through dark times. Now heal. Heal what's been bruised and what's been broken and breached. The breaches. Breach. Think of breach, okay? Um, we've been shaken to the core, and now we want to see you glorified. And I remember praying prayers like this, verse 3. I'm going to paraphrase. You've showed us hard things. You've made us drink the wine of astonishment. You've led us through perplexing, confusing seasons. Look at verse 4 where we pick up today. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee. Okay, now a banner in ancient Israel is a flag on a pole. Okay, now we think of this in terms of the American flag or the Christian flag, uh, but it was a banner, a sign, a standard, a signal pole, okay, of uh, identification. Where's my army? Who's victorious? Who's winning the battle? They use these signal poles and these banners to communicate power, identification, belonging, uh, and, and strength and victory, okay? So David says, you've given us a banner, God. Think of it this way. Um, it's an identity. You've given us uh, a God who we belong to, a name that we wear, a family that we are members of. Um, you've given us a redemption that is secure and a victory that is promised. You've made us soldiers in your army, children in your household, at your table, sheep in your pasture. We belong to you and you belong to us. So God, you are our banner. You are what we hold up to identify who we are, what we are. We align under your banner and yours is the victory and your victory is ours and your wealth and power are ours and your army is ours and we are yours. That's all that's wrapped up in that word banner. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? You've given us a banner. You've given a banner to them that fear thee. Now that's not terror. That's reverence. That's awe. That's honor. That's worship. When we worship God, he brings us into his family. He puts us into his sheepfold. He becomes our shepherd. Why? Look at verse 4. That it may dis be displayed because of thy truth, Selah. Okay. So you've put us into your kingdom, into your banner, into your army. Because we fear thee, we fear you, and You've given us that banner so it may be displayed, put on display as a standard of truth for all of the world. Now, my friends, this is huge. I've said it many times to our church family. In the Old Testament and New Testament, God's doing the same thing throughout history. In the Old Testament, he had a people wherein he put his name and he put them on display to show himself to the world through his people in the New Testament, and we call them Israel. In the New Testament, he's doing the same thing. He has a people. He's put his name upon those people. He's put those people on display to the world to show himself to the world, to show his truth to the world. Why are you and I, as believers, in this world right now to put God on display, to put his truth on the banner, to hold it up, to declare it, to publish it, Selah, park it there, Rest there. Listen, my friend. Individually, 
corporately, as a church body, wherever you are with your church body, God has given you a banner. Fear him, put him on display, be courageous today, be a living light, be salt, be be the hands, the face, the voice of Jesus to those he is calling to trust him. Hey, we're going to pick it up there tomorrow, but even your hardship was brought to you so that you could be a banner of truth to others. Happy Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.